Listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Keelguard Studios. And here we are wrapping this year up. Episode 342. Man, we've had a lot of great shows over the last several months. Actually, I'm just going to say great shows the entire year of 2020. Yeah, we have. And, you know, I can remember when we celebrated our 100th episode. So anyway, just old, Kurt. So anyway, yep. hard to believe. So we're, we're closing on 14 years, 2020. You started podcasting in 2006, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah, that is correct. And uh, nobody knew what the heck a podcast was back then. But uh, anyway, one thing everybody did know and has known and come to appreciate, and that is our partners of MegaWare Keel Guard, yes. based in Ogden, Utah. Of course, they hit the market with the first do-it-yourself keel protector. And there is no other competition out there. I mean, let's just be honest, from the design to the how it goes on, uh, you can do it in less than an hour. But then, of course, such things like the skate guard, the battery guard for the shock absorption on the batteries and protecting those, the scuff buster. Just be sure in your last-minute Christmas shopping, be sure to visit keelguard.com and uh, you'll be impressed like we are. Aaron, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag a little bit on this, uh, seeing some emails over the last, I don't know, maybe four to six weeks popping back and forth. We're going to have some merch coming up. Isn't that right? Is that going to kick off in 2021? Indeed, indeed. We've been working with your agent on the modeling contract uh, so that we can get you to pose for those. But uh, yes, uh, some shirts, some hats, and then uh, the Kurt Dove Signature Series underwear line. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the best seller for sure. Let me just tell you, very comfortable. That's all I have to say about that. Very comfortable. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm excited about you know it's been a while since we've had some apparel and and maybe this is the first time we've had kind of a partnership with some apparel for Bass Edge and none other to do it with our longest standing sponsor MegaWare, right? Absolutely. You know, it has been uh, it's been several years since we've done that, and certainly looking forward to partnering with them on that. Kurt, I would assume we're probably, you know, a few weeks out on that, depending upon uh, production, but we are certainly going to keep everybody informed via social media and, and of course, here on the episode and look forward to having that ready to go on BassEdge.com. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, great way to spend the cash that you may get for Christmas and the holidays and you can save it up. So, that's why I wanted to just give everybody a heads up that it might be coming. And talking about holidays, Aaron, this is going to be another interesting holiday with everything that's going on in the world and man i'm gonna spend some time on the lake i'm excited to spend some time i'm lucky to live in south texas where we get some nice days this time of year yeah for sure and you know this is always the time of year too kurt that uh, even in missouri you know it's it's obviously a little cooler a lot cooler than in south texas but as far as fish catching is concerned one of my favorite times of year to fish just because you know the big fish it's a little slower obviously but uh, you know i, I love throwing a uh, a jerk bait this time of year yeah aaron couldn't agree more i love throwing a jerk bait this time of year um you know there's actually you know great tip from clark winlet so be sure to get out there get fishing enjoy the holidays and aaron we've got a longtime friend of bass edge waiting on the line with uh some more great information about not just the skill of bass fishing but the skill that it takes to be a complete angler y'all stay tuned we're going to first break with our protecttheharvest.com tackle tip and then we're going to be right back with a special guest this episode's ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with FLW MLF Pro, Daryl Gleason. Hey guys, this is Daryl Gleason, and I'll tell you, my biggest tip to give you in early winter, that December time frame, is if, if you're after a big fish. If you're one of those guys that wants to catch a big fish. For me, I'm always going with a, a football jig. I prefer the VNM football jig. I'm usually using a three-quarter ounce, although sometimes I will drop down to the 5 8 if it's a calm day. I'm looking for channel bends in the creek hard bottom areas, even structure areas, you know, such as road beds or brush piles where a big fish might be located. But think big that time of the year. I put a J-Bug trailer on there, also made by VM Lures. My favorite color is Gleason's Candy. Um, it's kind of a brown-purple color, and I am fishing that jig slow, and I'm using this to target those bigger fish. They feed on big baits. So the football jig for me is what I'm going with. Awesome, Daryl. Great tip. Brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com. First by land and now by sea. 
For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Well, certainly, Bass Edge Nation, if you have been around with us for a while, uh, Jay McNamara's name, Dr. Jay McNamara, Dr. Fish, as we like to call him, is no stranger to uh, the Bass Edge brand. But for those that are possibly newer, uh, can't wait to make that introduction. And as always, Jay, it is uh, great to have you back on the show. Longtime partner all the way back to the beginning. And certainly, uh, you bring a unique skill set to all of us as anglers. Well, thanks for having me on the uh, Bass Edge again, Aaron. It's good to talk with you and Kurt. Hope you and all your listeners are safe um this has been a difficult time for everybody but glad to be back on the show here jay you know i was doing some research we're going to be talking about the book as i like to call it but um doing some research you know i saw back in the day you had a bunch of uh flw really cool articles little segments that you wrote for folks that were interested in the flw organization go back do a little search of jay mcnamara dr fish got some great little segments on the FLW website. So uh, that was cool to see the other day. I was trying to go back to find out when the first release was of the book. 2007, Jay. It's been a while, right? It has been, Kurt. You know, when I first got into fishing tournaments back in the uh, early 1990s, a friend of mine who's also a psychologist said, you know, you should write an article about all these psychological variables that you're running across with fishermen who were having trouble concentrating or who were losing focus or who were practicing in a crazy way. And so the first article was uh, 1991, actually. Unbelievable. So awesome to see the progression of this thought process and such an important part of, of bass fishing. The psychology of exceptional fishing. If you're not aware, that was the 2007 first book release for this particular thought process in the sport of bass fishing, written by none other than Dr. J. McNamara, a.k.a. Dr. Fish. We talk consistently about the mind game that it's necessary to control and manage in the sport of bass fishing. I emphasize the words control and manage because isn't that really the kind of of a sport within the sport, Jay? Well, um, Kurt, you know, you and I have talked about this before. Mental exercises are a lot like physical exercises. In every sport, uh, pick one, tennis, gymnastics, baseball, basketball, you name it, physical workout that includes cardio, strength building, and endurance training as part of every top athlete's routine. Going to the weight room becomes as much a part of your day as watching game films or practicing your sport. And the same thing is true now with the mental exercises. Top anglers, do uh, stretching exercises each morning before tournament days. A lot of them are doing weight training as well, uh, days when they're off the water. And a lot of them also now have focused strategies for creating and using mental exercises to keep them focused, dealing adaptively with stress and pressure and learning new and better techniques that will keep them ahead of the competition are things that people do deliberately now rather than just on a catch-as-catch-can basis. Well, Jay, along the topic of the psychology piece with regards to life, but specifically fishing, you know, you're releasing a updated version of the book that Kurt had mentioned, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing. What are uh, some of the the new, I guess, thought processes that you address in this book's version, and why are they important? Well, um, the uh, full answer to that, Aaron, covers 184 pages in the new book. 
But uh, let me highlight a couple of things. <laughs> let me highlight a couple of things that are in the uh, Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, the revised edition. The first, and by far the most important, uh, recent research tells us, is the need for anglers to get outside objective feedback to effectively evaluate their current skill sets and make necessary improvements. The new book describes this process in considerable detail with a significant emphasis on the fallacies and inaccuracies inherent in self-assessment. Study after study tells us that all of us, you, me, Kurt, and every listener, seriously overestimates their capabilities. When you ask people how good they are at something, they almost always give a number that's 20 or 30 or even 50% higher than their friends or relatives would give them. Some of these <laughs> studies, the findings are humorously ridiculous. Um, for example, nearly 80% of people think they're above average in intelligence. 75% of people think they're better looking than their friends. And um, over 90% of... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here's, the, here's my favorite. Over 90% of people think they are above average drivers. Um, these studies have been repeatedly replicated, so it's not just based on one quote sample. So to improve fishing then, rather than relying on yourself to decide what a fabulous jig fisherman you are or how exceptional you are with crankbaits, you should find a bona fide expert to observe and comment on your technique. Uh, at the very least, and the book recommends this, find yourself a feedback partner, somebody at your level that you can be in the boat with who can honestly give you feedback on what you might do differently. One other area of emphasis in the concept, psychology right? of exception. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Sorry that, to interrupt you, Jay. That's, that's a no, phenomenal no. concept. It's it's almost like not necessarily that you need to go get a coach, but you're working with someone that is in you know the, the same ballpark as you are. And, and instead of just sitting there chatting about the day's things and, and fishing, actually maybe observing your friend or or fishing partner and seeing, you know, what you could learn from them or what maybe you could give them, like you say, feedback and they could learn from you. I think that that's that's a phenomenal concept. I think one that, that hasn't been talked about much at all. Well, you know, it would be best if you could get Denny Brower to fish with you for a day to talk about jig fishing or get uh, Brandon <laughs> Polnick or Seth Fighter to fish with you for a day and comment on your drop shot fishing. Um, but that's probably not going to happen. But you could find somebody who's at your level who will at least observe what you're doing and make suggestions based on what they know and what they've observed. Right. So one of the other areas that we talk about in the revised edition of the Psychology of Exceptional Fishing is a uh, new learning. So we can all remember when we first got involved in the sport, competitive fishing, uh, the days when we were all eyes and all ears, we couldn't learn enough. We knew how much we didn't know. And um, we were just uh, sponges in terms of soaking up new information. But for most people, that openness to new learning phase doesn't last very long. Once people start to catch a few fish, and particularly if they have some success in local tournaments, instead of asking more questions, they start making declarative statements. <laughs> Um, once they start telling everybody else what they did and what the fish were doing, they stop being curious. People stop investigating what they could or should have done differently after a day in the water, and they close down their learning process. In other words, they become comfortable with being somewhat successful, not realizing that to continue to improve and raise the level of their game, they should go back to basic dimensions like setting goals and being open-minded about mistakes and feedback and putting real time and effort into innovation and experimentation. Awesome examples. Obviously, this new version talks about more concepts, more possibilities, more movement and how we can expand our knowledge and understanding of this mental concept and preparation to be a good angler. I'm such a believer in the mental process. I feel you've got to be as skilled an angler as you are, in some cases, a psychologist, at least from the fishing scenario standpoint, to maintain sanity in the sport of bass fishing or it's absolutely going to drive you crazy, whether it's lost fish, strategies that don't pan out, dealing with the fact that 10 or 15 percent success ratio is actually being very good in the bass fishing game. And it's a wild thing to think about, but something that needs to be understood from a mental perspective so that we don't get wildly crazy and, quite frankly, sometimes upset at the sport of bass fishing. Well, it's inherent in the sport. Kurt, you give us more credit than we actually deserve in terms of saying that we have a 10 or 15% success rate, because if you look <laughs> at the data, it's actually quite a bit less than that. But one way to maintain sanity in this sport is to appreciate the level that you're at uh, and what the game is about. So 
In baseball, for example, if you strike out twice and get a hit once over the course of your career, you'll wind up in the Hall of Fame. One for three is going to put you in Cooperstown. In fishing, of course, the ratio is ridiculously worse. Tournament anglers make somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 casts per day, and most anglers will tell you that if they landed 10 or 15 fish, that would be a fabulous day. In other words, you're landing a fish once every 100 or 200 casts. So instead of being a 10 or 15% success rate, Kurt, the data tell us that it's about a 1% success rate. So can you imagine playing baseball where you only got to hit once in every 200 at-bats or 100 at-bats? It'd be a boring um, game. But if you recognize that that's what your benchmark is, 1 in 100, it can actually keep you focused and keep your motivation high. You can't expect yourself to get a fish every cast, but every cast still matters. That is so true. Jay, I got to say real quickly that we're not doing any of us any favors. We might be realizing that we're actually all crazy just for thinking that we're going to keep casting and catch fish on every cast, right? Well, you have to maintain that attitude, Kurt, because it's not a fixed ratio. It's not you make 99 casts and the next cast you're going to get one. It's a variable ratio reinforcement schedule, which we know from all of our learning theory research will keep pigeons uh, pecking to get food until they peck their beaks off (laughs) or keep (laughs) anglers casting until they cast their arms off. So you might make 500 casts and then six casts in a row catch fish. And we've all had that experience. But recognizing what the ratio is or the frequency is of how often you're likely to catch fish can keep you from getting frustrated. And then, of course, the most important way to maintain sanity in a sport like this, and athletes in all sports talk about this, about getting in the zone, is to care less about the final outcome and more about the next cast or the next play. We've all missed fish because we're distracted by worrying about some irrelevant detail. And the more mental energy you spend weighing the fish that are in your tank while you're still fishing or worrying about how much weight the other contestants have, the less mental energy you have available to focus on the task at hand. All that ever really matters is the next play in any sport or the next cast when you're fishing. The next cast is all there really is. Well, all good stuff, Jay. Obviously, you know, like like I opened the segment with, anybody that's known Bass Edge for quite a while, you have been an integral part of that. And, and like Kurt said, uh, the mental piece is, is such a large component of the sport of bass fishing. You know, obviously, uh, the book is, is ready to go and um, available on our website at BassEdge.com. Excited, Jay. This has been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming to get the second edition out. Well, you know, um, the COVID pandemic shut down a lot of stuff this year, obviously, after the boat ramps finally reopened back in June. Um, we did catch a few fish here. Uh, in Minnesota, my uh, tournament partner, who you know, Lowell Branstrom, and I uh, spent a day up on Mille Lacs in September and uh, just had a circus with the smallmouth. But the main thing that the COVID was good for was writing. <laughs> you know, Aaron, you and I had talked for a long time about the importance of updating the psychology of exceptional fishing. And so along with a bunch of recent psychological research and uh, several new books, the uh, stay-at-home constraints of COVID created a perfect storm, uh, if you will, for uh, the rewriting process. So that got done uh, this summer, and uh, the book is being printed as we're speaking right now. So listeners can order it through BassEdge.com. And uh, speaking of websites, I see that you guys have uh, WildWings.com. We, we um, do. We do. They sent us two very nice. Uh, Kurt and I each got a canvas. Mine was smallmouth. Kurt was a largemouth. Uh, but yes, yeah. I'll tell you a great wild wing story. When I first moved to Minnesota in the early 1980s, I ran across their website because I'm you know, involved with Ducks Unlimited and Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and all those places to get ads from everybody. And the wildwings.com website back then had wildlife wallpaper. So nice. I got a brand new house. <laughs> I want to keep the hunting and fishing stuff in a little secret office down in the basement. And so I got a uh, a white-tailed deer wallpaper that I papered the whole wall with, and the uh, door to the little office was a branch on that uh, wildwings.com wallpaper. So no one even knew it was there. You come downstairs, you see this beautiful panorama of a bunch of white-tailed deer standing in the forest. And um, one of the the tree branches over in the corner was actually the uh, door to my office where I kept my hunting and fishing stuff under lock and key so the kids couldn't get at it. (laughs) That is a great story, Jay. Yes, you know, a partnership with WildWings.com has been awesome. It's been great to let the listeners know about all the great things that they have that, you know, you can purchase there on the website at WildWings. You know, great things to have in a living room, bedroom, man cave, 
Jay, just so that you know, and for all the listeners should know, Bass Edge listeners get 10% off of their order at wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge. That's wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge to get 10% off off your order, whether it's uh, art for the uh, decor for hunters, uh, like Jay, you mentioned with the wallpaper. Um, I don't think they have wallpaper on the site anymore. That's probably <laughs> probably not there any longer, <laughs> but they still have a lot of great uh, home decor, awesome things for kitchen and bath, sculptures, and of course, like you've seen on Bass Edge social media, the artwork Aaron and I have received from wildwings.com. It's great stuff. Again, make sure you check them out, wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge to get 10% off their next order. Jay, I want to say also thank you for doing this revision of the psychology of professional fishing. I cannot wait to uh, read it, dive in. This is a perfect time of year for a book release, as we're all aware with the chilliness outside. So uh, I'll be cozying up to a fire this winter and um, definitely getting down and dirty with the new book and putting it into use in my 2021 bass fishing. Well, you know, uh, I tell this story at the end of the book, uh, Kurt, that the year after I wrote the original version of the book, uh, I won Angler of the Year in my club. For the uh, tournament season, we have eight tournaments and we count our best six. The year after I wrote the original Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, I came in third once, I came in second once, and I won four of them. I wonder if that was related to uh, uh, the Psychology of Exceptional Fishing. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I encourage everybody to follow along my 2021 standings, and uh, hopefully I can do your book justice, Jay, like you did. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Well, Jay, as always, it is uh, truly a pleasure to have you on sharing time uh, with us. We, Like Kurt said, we appreciate the efforts and uh, certainly look forward to all of us getting our hands on your new book, the revised edition via BassEdge.com. I'm done uh, writing for a while, Aaron. I'm actually heading out to the Mississippi River tomorrow to uh, go smallmouth fishing with my buddy Lowell Brandstrom. So uh, that's my reward for spending all this time behind the, the uh, word processor. <laughs> well, thanks for being here, Jay. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Y'all stay tuned. Bass Edge Radio is going into the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight when we return. I am professional angler Stetson Blaylock. This is Bassmaster Elite Series Pro Bill Lowen. This is FLW Ray Evac Champion Brian Schmidt. This is Lucas Oil Pro, Mark Rose. This is FOW Tour Pro, Dylan Hayes. This is MLF Bass Pro Tour Angler, Mike McClellan. I am Delta Force Command Sergeant Major, Tom Satterley, and you're dialed in with Aaron and Kurt on Bass Edge Radio. Be at home with nature this holiday season with nature-inspired art, decor, and gifts by Wild Wings at wildwings.com. Explore art prints and canvas wraps of bass, trout, walleye, muskie, and more by acclaimed artists like Mark Sassino. I primarily paint underwater scenes of game fish and usually in a fishing situation, going after prey or going after a lure or a fly. I get asked sometimes whether I like fishing better or artwork. It would be tough to give either of them up. I can't really think of a good reason to give either up, so I'm going to stick with them. Make your home, office, or cabin show off your passion for angling. Visit wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge and sign up for an exclusive offer to Bass Edge listeners of 10% off your next order. Give something special to your loved one and be at home with nature. Visit wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge. That's wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge to get 10% off your next order of nature inspired art, decor, and gifts by Wild Wings. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard.
Well, we've got a Bass Edge newbie on today's show. I'm super excited. You know, I've gotten to know this angler for the last uh, maybe couple years now. This young angler's been making some waves the past few seasons in both MLF, FLW, and BSS organizations. When you keep your name on top of the leaderboard, it does good things for a professional bass fishing career. Welcome to the show, professional angler, Gray Buck. Great to have you here, Gray. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kurt. Long-time listener of your guys' show and going all the way back to my uh, Penn State days, so I'm really excited to be on the show for the first time. Well, uh, certainly you you earned that spot a long time ago, Gray, but uh, we're excited actually to have you. And, you know, like Kurt said, these past 24 months have really seen you on a terror in the tournament scene. I don't know if it's possible, but could you narrow down, perhaps maybe pinpoint what is uh, that's provided you the ability to land consistently at the, at the top of the standings so frequently? Yeah, so I think a lot of it is I've become more confident fishing around the country. Before my first season on the MLF Pro Circuit, I had not fished south of Virginia, so it was a big learning curve fishing all the reservoirs. But to pinpoint an exact timing, it was last year at the uh, BFL up on Lake Oneida. I was kind of using it as a tune-up tournament, getting ready for the Bass Open coming up, and I won that. BFL, and it really just kind of got my confidence going. I was ready to go catch those fish up at the open, and I was able to win that one as well. So it kind of just got everything going in the right direction, and I was able to just pull that momentum into 2020 and just kind of keep it going. I started off the season strong and was able to have my best season coming third in Angler of the Year and then roll that right into that Sturgeon Bay Championship for another top 10. So interesting, Gray, on your comment, because right before you, you know, we just had Dr. Jay McNamara talking about kind of the mental aspect of it. So do you think it was, it, it sounds to me, but correct me, please correct me if I'm wrong, that maybe the mental space played a lot to do with that jump. Was Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. When you're fishing well, you make good decisions on the water. You make them a little bit quicker and you only have usually eight hours out there. So you got to make the most of your time and feel like you're in an area that has fish the entire day. Gray, you make an interesting statement about kind of when you started the pro circuit and jumped into the FLW, the challenge that you had moving south and, and maybe even, you know, to the west, most of your experience had been from north of Mason-Dixon line, I guess you might say, you know, which are primarily natural lakes, rivers, not as many, I mean, not that there's no reservoirs up there, but not as many and certainly not to the size that you have in the southern U.S. or, or even, you know, as you head west into Alabama and, and Texas and those types of places. What do you see as a learning curve that you were able to overcome from fishing and growing up in that natural lake environment and rivers to then moving into that reservoir aspect? What was the most difficult thing that was a challenge to you that you were able to overcome? The biggest challenge is in Pennsylvania, one of our reservoirs is like a small creek arm of something down south. They're giant down there. And trying to break down an entire lake, you can't do it. You have to have a good plan of where you want it to be. My first year, I really would spend all three days of practice in one section of the lake and really just part I learned as best I could. Some tournaments it worked where you were in the right area and some it didn't. From there, over the years, I've kind of developed a better game plan for practice. And, and some of it, I just learned how to break down those lakes a little bit better that put myself in a better area. But I'm also not afraid to just go fish new water in the tournament now. Um, once I get a little bit of a pattern going, you kind of get the confidence to know. There's rocks on the bank. That's where you're looking for where the transition is. And you're able to just kind of put more together during the tournament than relying solely on what happened in practice. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Great. You know, as I mentioned, you know, earlier that when we opened the show, been kind of getting to know you pretty well over the last couple of years. Watching your daily tournament standings closely, you've been able to catch some key big fish. You know, a lot of this went down in 2020 that kind of helped you continue to catapult you up at the not only tournament standings, but overall Angler of the Year. You finished third place this year in the FLW Pro Circuit Angler of the Year standings. What was the key to catching or putting yourself in position to get some of those key big bites? Is it a location that's helped you catch those fish or is it a type of of area or technique that you're having confidence in. So many times that is the difference, as you well know, 
between having a good tournament and a just okay or man, I was just one bite away from getting a check kind of deal. So can you pinpoint what has created that success for you over and over again in 2020? Yeah, I was very fortunate this year, especially early in the year to get two very big bites. Sam Rayburn, I caught my biggest bass I've ever caught in a tournament or practice or any time fun fishing. It was a nine and a half. And without that fish awesome. to propel me uh, up into the standing, it was crazy. Um, I would have had this like, mediocre tournament and would have been probably, I don't know, probably mid-pack. Maybe I would have cashed a check. Maybe I wouldn't have. Even. So the key to finding that fish was I went through there and practiced. And I covered a lot of water on Rayburn. I had a tough tournament the year before there. And there was one area I got probably five bites in about an hour. And this, it was covering water. I had the troll motor on whatever, 70% and just buzzing through there. I really didn't find anything else in practice that I was confident in. So I spent all three days of the tournament in there. And I just kind of knew if I kept grinding, I was hoping I was just going to catch a couple five-pound bites in practice. And I caught that giant one. So I knew there were big ones there on the first day, and that's what kind of kept me there the next two. And it didn't really work out quite as well. And there were some beating windows in there, which I've seen in other places, usually tidal water. But it was first thing in the morning. And then, again, at like 2 o'clock, they would turn on for the last, little bit before you had to run in and it was dead in between and i wish i would have kind of fished a little bit different once i realized how on the dot they would start eating right but i didn't have anything else to go to so i was just trying to milk and hope i got another giant out there because you know in texas and in florida they're there it's just a matter of putting a bait in front of them and getting them when they're ready to fire up but would you agree it wasn't just that one fish of course that helped propel you in that but there were a lot of key fish that really helped you throughout the year would you agree with that and do you think that it's like you say putting yourself in a specific area that you're able to concentrate on in some of these circumstances that you just knew there was a group of fish around that you keyed on more specifically or do you think that there are some techniques that you're using that's kind of helping you put a better quality fish in the boat? I would say that both of those are true. One that is, I throw that Z-Man jackhammer almost to a fault, and I just have so much confidence in it, and that bait gets you bigger than average bites just on the regular. Everybody knows it, and for whatever reason, those fish just keep eating it, <laughs> so that's <laughs> part of it, and then throughout the year, I got in a lot of key areas that I didn't find a ton in practice, but what I found was usually pretty good. A prime example of that be you and I found the exact same spot in Chickamauga. There's one patch of high right. drill that was right. like 25 yards long. That was like the hot spot right there on a three-mile-long high drill bed. So you kind of get fortunate. You get the right bite at the right spot, and you just have to make sure you recognize it, I guess, is the biggest thing. Cause there's been other years where I've had the right area, but I didn't realize it at the time. And you see the guy either wins the tournament or a couple top tens come out of that area. So it's just matter of recognizing and maybe sometimes that's all you have. Gray, I'd like to get your thoughts. You mentioned you're a Pennsylvania guy. You live in Pennsylvania. We're getting ready to flip the calendar over to 2021. I guess if there is such a thing as an off season, I guess we would consider that space that we're in right now. But I'm curious, so often, you know, anglers will relocate to the south. Do you seem to spend time still fishing in the off season or is that kind of your time to focus on other aspects of the business? So I do both. Being in Pennsylvania on the eastern side of the state where I'm at, we got some little lakes and reservoirs that I fish some of the time, but I can't use my big motor there. Can't take your mercury out there. They're all electric only. So it kind of keeps me working a lot more on the business side of it. And this past two years with last year, I qualified for the classic. So that gave me a little bit more of a ground to talk to sponsors and people are more willing to work with you. And then having this very good year I had this season, I'm able to reach out to new companies and kind of keep those relationships growing with others. And that's been going well, but I do still fish a lot. That's what I love to do. I spend a lot of time on the upper Chesapeake. That's about an hour and a half of my house and probably the best fishery in my area. And then also on the weekends, I'll take my wife up to New York and we do a lot of fishing up there. We like going up to the Thousand Islands, Lake Ontario, just going chasing those giant smallmouth. Yeah, that's always a fun time chasing the big smallies. So even this time of year, will you still kind of go up north a little bit when it's cold or do you kind of retreat south in some instances, maybe get down into the Carolinas or do you kind of stick around the house? No, I usually stick around the house. You can usually fish through 
early January in Pennsylvania before you start getting some of the ice. But we usually, where I'm at, get the hard ice. I've never been ice fishing in my life. I don't know anything about it. Kind of don't really want to do it. <laughs> you and me both, Gray. <laughs> never done it. I don't think I want to be out there when the wind's blowing and out in the middle of a lake. But um, I've never been, I haven't spent much time in the Carolinas, especially in the winter. I will start going to pre-fishing come January, though. We're getting ready for the Pro Circuit events down south. Very nice. All right. Last question about being in PA. A lot of great anglers coming out of PA, you know, for the whole history of bass fishing. I mean, obviously, there's not the same number of fishermen like, let's say, in Texas or Florida or Alabama or some of those crazy wild bass fishing states. I would even throw Missouri in there, Aaron. Anyway, in Pennsylvania, you've had a lot of great anglers coming out of Pennsylvania. What do you attribute to that region of the country's success once they hit the tournament scene? I think a lot of it has to do with being geographically located. We're kind of between New York, which you have the best like smallmouth areas. There's also a lot of largemouth up there in the natural grass and everything that grows. Then you can also just hop right down. Guys from Pennsylvania fish the upper Chesapeake and the Potomac a lot because it's probably within four hours, depending on where you're at in the state. And they're two of the best fisheries there are. And it just teaches you a lot, lets you keep fishing a lot of different kind of bodies of water when you're growing up and fishing regionally. Very good. Well, Greg, we're going to dive into some winter fishing right after we power pole down here for a quick break. Bass Edge will be right back with FLW MLF Pro Angler, Gray Buck. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the power pole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift, power pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, power pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power pole, swift, silent, secure. Visit powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio is presented in part by Mercury Marine, returning with FLW MLF Pro Angler Gray Buck and the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. Well, Gray, keeping up with you, you know, last month you had some pretty phenomenal success. You referred to the Upper Chesapeake earlier in the show. Saw a huge string of bass you caught up there. I got to ask, if you're going to target a few days, like say in a warming trend, latter part of December, early January, what type of areas do you look for bites on a shallow water fishery like the Upper Chesapeake or even say, like you mentioned earlier, the Potomac River? So when you have this time of year, you're looking for the deep areas and that's just all completely relative. For the bay, you're going to be looking for, say, six to eight foot. And a lot of times it'll be in the marinas. Um, You don't want to be in an area that has a ton of current. So the seawalls in there usually break it up. And those fish will kind of just stage in there in the winter. They could pile in there by the numbers. They'll come out from the Susquehanna Flats. I think a lot of those fish swim up the rivers and creeks to get away from the current that's out there naturally all summer. But they're out there because of the current and they want to feed. But it's the exact opposite in the winter. Those fish will stay in those deeper holes. And just when you get a warming trend, it just gets them a little bit fired up. You'll be able to go in there, take a blade bait, and just kind of pick them off. And you can even flip a jig a lot of times in the winter. The water will be, I think I can remember, 37 degrees the one time down there. And I was flipping some pilings and just picking them off every one of them. And we just had two or three days of this warm weather. It might have been in the 40s. The sun really helps that bite a lot, too. It seems like you don't hear a lot about that. Are you like one of the few anglers that would be out on the water if you catch one of these warming trends? Or is it a known entity that, you know, you can get out there and jack some fish because they're stacked up, like you mentioned, outside of these current zones? Yeah, there'll actually be a group of probably 10 or 15 of us, it seems like, that end up going down there because it's pretty well known where those fish go to winter down there. And there'll be two or three guys that are really good at fishing, like specifically the winter on the bay. Uh, we do tournaments there. If there's no ice down there, we'll do them through the winter and just meet up on a Saturday, put your 100 bucks in, and see who catches the biggest bag. And a lot of times, it's going to take close to 25 in the winter to win them. God, that's ridiculous, right, Aaron? Are you catching 25 at Table Rock in the winter? Uh, maybe in three days. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, the, the wintertime fishing is good, no doubt. But yeah, that's pretty off the hook. So quickly, Gray, you know, you're talking about the upper Chesapeake and, and you know, fish being stacked up. Kind of compare and contrast that to, let's say, like the Potomac to where not so much. Yeah, so I think the Chesapeake 
there's just a lot of big fish in there. Like the quality of them, they're getting better and better each year. And when you compare that to the Potomac, you'll go down to the Potomac in the spring, you'll catch say 50 of them in a day. And they'll be solid fish. They'll be two and a half, three pounders. But when you go up to the bay in the springtime like that, you might maybe catch 20 of them. But you're going to have that four to six pound quality every time you're out there. And it probably has to do a lot with the forage base there. I think there's more of those big white perch and you get some of those big gizzard chat up there as well. I don't see that quite as often down at the Potomac. So I'm, I'm guessing that has a lot to do with it. And the Potomac doesn't seem to have the grass every single year in the same areas. It grows pretty well one year and then the next year it'll kind of be a little bit less. So I think it's just a lot of fluctuations in that section of the Potomac River because of that causes those issues. I got you. So, uh, you know, as far as talking about fish behavior, you kind of alluded to it there. Are there differences on what you had previously mentioned on the rivers that would pertain to reservoirs in Pennsylvania that you might spend some time on during this early winter period? Yeah, so similar to how those shallow rivers, the fish move to the deeper water, which might only be six to ten foot. The reservoirs, they'll move a lot of times to the bluff walls, and that's because that's where the channel swing is, and that really just concentrates those fish. The bait moves there for the winter, and then the bass follow them, and it could be a really good time as well, because if you have fish in a concentrated area, if you get a little warming trend in the winter, those fish will actually start feeding up, so good way to pinpoint them, and you can follow those fish until it gets to be iced in, and when ice out comes, those fish are even hungrier first thing in the spring when that water hits 45 degrees. And one quick follow-up question on that. Are you having to access these areas, some of these areas that you mentioned with a jet boat, or are you able to run your big boat, you know, with a prop and get to those fish? So the Chesapeake, you can get to all those fish with a prop. I do fish the Susquehanna River, not where it dumps into the uh, Chesapeake. I'll fish it up in the middle of Pennsylvania. I have a buddy that has a jet boat. We go there, and there's one wintering hole that we have up there that when you get set up on it right, and it's right now, this time of year, you can go up there and catch 100 fish out of it. And you go drag a, usually I'll throw a Z-Man TRD on that Hayabusa Ned, or Brushy Z Ned head, and you just kind of slowly feather it right with the current, and it just drops off there, and you can pick them off all day. But that one you have to have a jet to get to because there's one section of the river that's about a foot and a half deep to get there, and you would not want to have a glass boat in there, that's for sure. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I fished an Elite Series event on the Chesapeake, and I guess I think it was in August can't remember the exact it was in the middle of the summer and there were several of us that went as far up the Susquehanna as you could possibly get in in our glass boats catching largemouth and smallmouth hiding behind rocks up there in the current and the bigger better fish the key fish were down in the grass on the flats you know kind of where the Susquehanna and and the northeast river come together down there but um I gotta say there was a lot of fish up there it was a lot of fun but it's a little eerie if you're going up there in a glass boat like you mentioned with those rocks it can be a little sketchy a little unforgiving I can tell you that (laughs) yeah no doubt I also want to say, guys, great, interesting, your feedback on the rivers versus the reservoirs. And the same thing happens here at Lake Amistad in South Texas. The colder it gets, the more it puts those fish together in specific areas. If we have a warm winter, it tends to, you know, just keep the fish scattered about. You know, there'll be some up shallow in grass, some mid-depth on the edge of grass. And then, you know, some will go ahead and retreat out there onto river ledges and bluff walls and that kind of thing. But when it gets really cold here at Lake Amistad, The fishing gets better during this time of year, you know, especially going into January and and even into early February, which is typically, obviously, for all of us, the coldest time of year. But uh, it's pretty interesting how that whole pattern relation to fish behavior can transcend it to more bites and a better congregation of fish the colder it gets. So uh, put on your woolies. Get out there and go fishing, all you Bass Edge listeners, because uh, it can be a lot of fun. Gray, I want to take a quick peek at the 2021 MLF Big Five Pro Circuit. Few changes. Of course, the FLW tag now gone. It is all MLF, Major League Fishing, and the Big Five Pro Circuit, meaning catching the five biggest. But there's some rule changes going on next year, and I think are pretty interesting and could change the way that professional anglers in this circuit fish. They are removing a practice day. So in 2021, there's only going to be two official practice days for the events. How do you feel this will affect the events and particularly how will you adapt to manage a shorter practice period? So it's going to put a bigger need on going down and pre-practicing any lakes that you have not been to before. 
just to kind of get a lay of the land. Usually when you have three days, you can kind of take a day of it just to do something off the wall, try to really find something different than everybody else is doing. I think you're going to have to really have a full game plan when you get there. You're going to want to know exactly how you're going to practice it. Almost how the first day of the tournament will be. Yeah, you know, I'm going to hit this spot and this and this, and you kind of have a little rotation. I think you have that same model in your head when you only have two days of practice. And personally, maybe some guys do that. I usually go down there with an open mind and just kind of start fishing. I might go pre-practice like first to have a general idea how it lays out. But I like to let stuff just kind of naturally adapt and just kind of listen to the fish as I'm going. I think you're going to not be able to do that quite as much this coming year with the only two days of practice. Yeah, and quickly before we head on to the listener question, Greg, just your curiosity more than anything, but you know, when you're looking at a schedule of events for the coming year, you still find yourself in a place to where you get excited when it's announced or released, or are you just kind of a, it's a just a matter of more or less making the most of the events that are kind of laid out and, and you've got to fish those regardless of, you know, if you're going to Lake A or Lake B? Oh, I always get excited. I'm a bass fishing junkie. We all get excited seeing the new lake that you've always read about or watched the pros fish on for years. So I would say like the first time I saw Rayburn coming up, I was so excited about that. And <laughs> I always knew that people catch giants there. And that's what I always wanted to do. So like it would be the same thing if I saw like Amistad or Falcon or something like that, where it's just kind of historic places that you get to go. It really just comes down to it. It doesn't really matter what the schedule is. You got to go and catch them no matter what. And usually we're going to be at the fisheries some of the best times of year. They try to set that up pretty well so you can go out there and catch your biggest stringers. Yeah, I'm excited this year about Lake Murray. I've been there one time. It was years and years ago. I fished a BASS Elite Series event there. But we used to always, when I was fishing the Elite Series early in my career, back in the mid-2000s, we would always go to those blueback fisheries, whether it was Clarks Hill or Murray or Hartwell, when those blueback start spawning and stuff. So I'm really excited to get down to Lake Murray if there's one I could really pinpoint. Man, who does doesn't like to catch one on top water, and uh, you can do some damage on top water when those bluebacks are spawning. So it should be a lot of fun. Great. We're going to move into our listener question segment of the show presented by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Ken Carlson from Fairfax Station, Virginia, asked the following. I'm looking for Christmas presents for a few anglers I know, but rods and reels are more than I'd like to spend. What would surprise a bass fisherman for Christmas who seems to already have everything they need. Yeah, so when I come to that question, I would almost go try to get away from the surprise part. Fast fishermen know what they like and know what they want to get. I would go right with like the just what every fisherman uses, and that's a Z-Man jackhammer and a TRD. You get that, put that on your Hayabusa, one-tenth ounce brush easy. You take those two things, you can catch them everywhere. If you need to fish slow, you drag the Ned Rig there, and if you need to fish fast, you throw that chatterbait and you're going to catch big fish or you're going to be able to catch fish in finicky situations on the TRD there. Yeah, that's good advice. I'm kind of the same way. I would I would agree with that, Gray. You know, it's when somebody tries to buy you something fishing related, unless it's like terminal tackle or the stuff that, you know, you're going to use on a regular basis, you're kind of walking on thin ice and taking a big risk of getting a frown from me if you give me something that, <laughs> uh, that, I, that I don't need or don't use. So appreciate you helping Ken out with that question. And Ken, congratulations on having your question picked to be answered on the show, please be sure to uh, click on BassEdge.com, the Claim Your Prize tab, fill out the information, and we will get the Bass Edge gift sent directly to you. I think I'm getting a good grip on Gray's total strategy. Go for big bass with the jackhammer, follow it up if you're having a tough day with a Ned Rick. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I think that's, Gray, is that, that is your secret. secret. That is the secret to success. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, I got to remind Bass Edge listeners to uh, keep shooting in those questions of the show. You can do it via our website, BassEdge.com. Click the tab, Ask the Pros, or you can simply email us, support at BassEdge.com. Also, keep leaving those comments and suggestions in our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter media pages. Well, Gray, super excited that uh, we were able to get together on this episode of Bass Edge. Uh, any final thoughts or, or words for the listeners as we begin to shut down here? No, just have a great holidays coming up here, and I appreciate everybody following along. If you want to see more fishing from me, you can follow me on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook at Greybuck Fishing. I'll put content out all through the year, and you'll be able to see some big fish once I start heading down south. And then if you like uh, giant smallmouth, I do that all summer long. So 
thanks for uh, listening and following along. You bet, Gray. Thanks for taking time to be with us on the show. Look forward to seeing you on the trail next year. Bass Edge Nation, hang right here. We will be right back. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare KeelGuard, SkegGuard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare KeelGuard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift. PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Well, Kurt, you capped off uh, the final episode of 2020 with yet another just hashtag stout. You know, we had Gray Buck, obviously, had a phenomenal year. And then, of course, hearing from our good friend, Dr. Jay McNamara, on uh, his new book that's coming out that we're certainly glad to have for sale on the website. So you just never can get enough of the mental component that goes into the sport of fishing and really life. Yeah. Gray talked about it, uh, how important it was for him, kind of helped him catapult his uh, career, you know, over the last 24 months. You know, prior to that, you know, Gray, obviously a great young angler, kind of moving up through the ranks, uh, doing well in BS. FLs and, and that kind of stuff, man, when, when you tap off a BASS open win, does a lot for the mental side of the game, gives you confidence. He starts traveling the country more and chalking up a top five. He finished third in the 2020 FLW Pro Circuit standings. I'm interested to see how Gray continues to progress. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Always enjoy just following these younger anglers and see how that progression works because we're all trying to not necessarily always emulate something else, but utilize information, experience, and things that we see around us to help ourselves move forward in life. And uh, so it's fun to watch someone that, that has success like Gray and try to use those experiences that he has to help some of our own experiences as well because who doesn't want to uh, win tournaments, have success, catch more fish, and uh, quite frankly, just be on top of the world. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And it's it's neat to see uh, young anglers in general coming out of kind of the high school, college ranks, having success and then developing that on, at the pro ranks. And Gray is certainly one of those that's been on a very steep trajectory of uh, achieving those higher levels. So that's right. again, congrats, hats off to him. Unfortunately, Kurt, we've got to shut down 2020. And next episode uh, will be January 1st as we cross over into the new calendar year. But in the meantime, you know, just want to wish everybody happy holiday season. It's been an interesting year to say the least yes challenging times right Kurt yeah no doubt I also just want to give a quick shout out to everyone and and say thanks for being a part of Bass Edge Nation again another solid year I uh, wish everybody a Merry Christmas Happy New Year man I look forward to seeing y'all again on the turnaround coming January 1 we're gonna look for a great 2021 hopefully uh, things will be a little bit different for everybody as we move forward in life and uh, deal with the the wild times that have been behind us and hopefully not far to the end in front of us. That's right. Well said, Kurt, and uh, I echo that. want to wish everybody uh, safe holidays. Be well. In the meantime, stay on top of all things Bass Edge through social media and certainly BassEdge.com where you've got the articles, videos, and certainly the BassEdge.com store. We will shut her down. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin, and I look forward to seeing you on January 1st, episode 343. So long, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare Keel Guard. 
For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.